Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again for another episode of the Play Sheet Podcast. I'm here as always with my friend Joe. Hello, Bip. And we're going to take you through now the final games we're getting towards. So there's certainly plenty to talk about in terms of what the playoff picture looks like for certain divisions and certain teams and a few of the topics that have cropped up in this week's action of NFL before, as always, we look to our final game week and give our predictions on what the matchups are going to look like. Okay, shall we get started? Let's take it away. Lead us in, Joe. Okay, ugly game. Christmas Day, Saints 52, Vikings 33. Horror show. Horror show, but we knew this was coming. The Vikings' run defense has been abysmal all season. Whereas other units of a team have had their ups and downs, the offense started relatively badly but pulled things together in the second half of the season. The cornerbacks started badly and have been trending upwards. The run defense has been bad all season. And Kamara, well, he had a record-breaking game for the ages. 22 carries, 155 yards, 7 yards a carry average. But the big number here, 6 rushing TDs. I mean, wow. Yeah, I mean, that's tied... NFL single game record for rushing touchdowns. Yeah, so it tied the record for the NFL rushing touchdowns in one game. The record was set and held by Ernie Nevers in 1929. And this was a different era as well. This was when basically you didn't throw the ball or you threw the ball once or twice a game and you rushed with every single play. Six touchdowns in one game had only occurred three times in the history of a National Football League before today. As I said, Ernie Nevers in 29. Dub Jones for the Browns in 1951, and then Gale Sayers for the Bears in 1965. No player had scored five touchdowns in a game since Clinton Portis for the Denver Broncos in 2003. A game for the ages for Kamara. But I mean, like, you know, on top of this, Drew Brees still threw for 311 yards, which just shows you how bad the Vikings defense was. Absolutely scorched us. Yeah. It was something that we mentioned only last week about how the Vikings gave the Bears a run game and and how they've been doing that a fair bit this season, giving teams without a run game a route in to beat the Vikings. Here they faced a team that already had a very efficient run game (laughs) and look what happened. Yeah. The only thing I will say, they were missing eight defensive starters and this is coming from a team that who's even their defensive starters have not been brilliant this season. Yeah, but the majority of the defensive starters who were out were like linebackers. True. So you had Barr, you had Kendricks, those kind of key players there. The defensive line, like, I mean, let's be honest, it's, it's just not been there the whole season. They let Griffin go, which I still think was the right choice. I mean... Griffin went to the Cowboys and then got released by the Cowboys and went, or, or traded, sorry, and then went to Detroit. And since he's been at Detroit, it's not like he's set the world on fire. And he's got a big contract there. So so it looks like that was the right move. But with Hunter being out, there's just been no pass rush there at all. With Michael Pierce sitting out the season for COVID, there's just been no big guy in the middle to stop the run. The D-line, which has been you know a strength for the Vikings over the last five, six years, it's just been non-existent. So an ugly, ugly game. Like, I mean, look, you know, there's not really too much to say about this. I mean, Saints were expected to win. Vikings were expected to lose. Vikings, you know, definitely out of the playoffs. Saints go marching on. But with Green Bay winning this week, they probably have missed out on that top seed now. Yeah. What do you think becomes a Bailey? I think that there will be a decision made in the offseason. It's one of those things, really. The Vikings have jumped from kicker to kicker. But Bailey has missed too many. He's on a good contract for him and I think he's the 14th highest paid kicker in the league 
he missed an extra point in this game as well. So he's not been firing on all cylinders for the last four games. I think you cut him, really. I think you cut him, and even if you pick up a kicker who's as bad as him, you're still not paying him as much money, and you can cut them as well. Yeah. I think the, there's a bigger thing there, though, special teams. The Vikings are probably going to get rid of their special teams coordinator, Marwan Maluth. It's not just kicking. Like I said a few weeks ago, it's snapping. It's blocking on pump returns. It, there's been a few things. So I think there's probably going to be a big overhaul of the whole special teams unit for the Vikings. Yeah. Okay, then let's move on to another blowout game. Buccaneers 47, Lions 7. I mean, Matt Stafford got injured on the first drive of the game and it was all over by then. Yeah, I think like even if Stafford was in the game, I, I don't think it would have made a difference. Oh, it wasn't changing the outcome. I mean, this was obscene. Stafford wasn't scoring 47 points, let's put it that way. Unless Stafford was going to score on every single drive, there's no way that you're changing this. The Bucks had this tied up at half-time. They basically benched Brady at half-time, which is how dominant they were. I said something quite early in the season, and I just want to bring this back because I think this is kind of ringing truer than ever. I said Buccaneers are the kind of team who would roll over weaker teams, and when they come against good teams, they struggle. Now, the Buccaneers have 10 wins. Only two of those wins have come against teams with a record better than 0.4. That's very interesting. And actually yeah. really deceptive when you think about this Bucks team, isn't it? Because they've had some big victories. And I think a lot of people think about this Bucks team as a bit of a dark horse. But when you break down who they've beaten and you think about a potential playoff run, they could really struggle. Well, I wouldn't call them a dark horse in terms of the amount of hype they were getting. Sure. I don't think there's been a team as hyped as the Bucks were going into the season. But you look at the teams they've beat. I've got a breakdown here. The Panthers twice record of 0.333, Broncos also 0.333, Giants 0.333, Lions 0.333. They beat the Falcons who are 0.267, they beat the Vikings and Chargers who are 0.4, then the only teams above 0.4 that they've beaten, Raiders who still have a losing record at 0.467, and then their one team above 0.5 that they beat was this outlier when they beat the V Packers. So, so, so there's only one team with a record above 0.5 they've beaten. Then all the other teams above 0.5 that they've played, they've lost to. They've lost to the Rams, they've lost to the Chiefs, they've lost to the Saints twice, and they've lost to the Bears. And they had a really bad beating from the Saints in one of those games. It's going to be interesting how the Buccaneers do in playoffs against good teams, because they're going to be coming up against teams who are better than 0.5 in the playoffs. And at the minute, teams above 0.5, they're 1-6. For as good as they looked in this game, I can still see them being a one-and-done team in the playoffs. Yeah, I had no idea about that record, but knowing that, it certainly changes my opinion of how far they could go. Yeah, I can't take you know nothing away from how they played on Boxing Day. They played a good game, but I don't have the most faith in them in playoffs. Hmm. I think the only thing that's probably worth shouting out before we move on is Mike Evans' efficiency in this game. 10 passes for 181 yards and two touchdowns. That's obscene. Huge game, but... The amount of times he was wide open, the Lions D is just absolutely terrible. Well, I think they gave up. I think Stafford went off injured and you just saw the heads of everyone drop. They knew they weren't winning it and they just, they thought, well, what what are we playing for? Why are we doing this? You could just see it in there. Yeah, behavior. but they do need to think that, that there's players who are playing there whose contracts are coming up who should be thinking, hey, maybe I can pad things with a few stats here. Maybe I can make myself look better so that when my contract comes up, I can get a better contract. I mean, even if your team's playing badly, there's always reason to play hard. 
So shame on the Lions, really. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on, shall we? Well, yeah, talking about teams playing badly. (laughs) Yeah. San Francisco 49ers 20, Cardinals 12. Yeah, I mean, the 49ers were missing 11 starters heading into this game. Four on offense, seven on defense. So simply put, the Cardinals choked this one. I don't know what it was because there were so many mistakes here. Drops, fumbles, interceptions. And if that wasn't a sign at all, whoever Jeff Wilson Jr. is, he ran 183 yards on 22 carries for the 49ers and caught a 21-yard touchdown. So Jeff Wilson was an absolute beast. Look, I'm not going to call it choking because I think we've seen this from the Cardinals all season. They've just been such an inconsistent team. After doing this kind of breakdown of the Buccaneers, I looked through the Cardinals and looked at the teams they've lost against. They've lost seven games. Four of those teams were teams who have a record of less than 0.5. They have huge games against teams like Seahawks and Bills, really good teams, and go and beat them. And they lose to teams like the Lions and the Panthers and the 49ers. They're a massively inconsistent Mm. team who just can't seem to fire week to week. Let's not take anything away from San Fran. Like, I mean, they were playing for pride, but they played out there. Jeff Wilson Jr., like you mentioned, had a massive game, lots of yardage there. And then CJ Befford, he threw for three touchdowns, but this was very much a kind of mature game kind of management. He didn't throw, you know, huge passes. He didn't have huge yardage, but he did what he had to do to get his team down into the end zone and finish off drives. He looked very good and he looked better and more kind of composed than um, Nick Mullins has in the last few weeks. Yeah. So a bit of a weird one that it certainly changes the picture for the Cardinals and their playoff hopes. The Bears are now in the driving seat for that wildcard spot. Bears are in the driving seat, but that said, though, they still have a very hard game left against Green Bay. The only way that they don't get the first seed is if the Packers lose, the Saints win, and the Seahawks win. So therefore, the Packers will still be playing hard against the Bears. The Packers are a better team than the Bears. So I still think probably on everything, the Cardinals will probably sneak into playoffs because I can see the Bears just missing out. Yeah, but then we're relying on the Cardinals to beat the Rams. You're relying on the Cardinals to beat the Rams then as well. True, that is a good point. But we'll come on to all our predos later. Let's move on to the next game and another weird loss for the Raiders. Dolphins 26, Raiders 25. So yeah, the Dolphins and Raiders traded punts and field goals for the first three quarters of this matchup. The Raiders couldn't convert a third down to save their lives and Tua spent most of the game making two-yard dink passes. Yeah, And in the end... Brian Flores made the call to bench Tua for Fitzpatrick. And and it was the right call. Yeah, and suddenly the game changed. Yeah, look, Tua was just... Uh, I'm not sure what it was really, but he wasn't playing freely. He was averaging 4.3 yards an attempt, which is terrible. Sacked three times, and some of those sacks were pretty big. Like, I mean, he lost 23 yards on three sacks. It's just all round. Just Tua had a bad game. Not an abysmal game, not an interception, not a fumble game, but just like... Too safe. Yeah, it was too safe. He, sh- he should have been making more of this. Fitzpatrick came on. That last throw, had Mahomes made that play, would still be seeing that in like another two years' time. <laughs> yeah. He'd still be showing it like kind of every single week. Great play. He hoisted it up there. I, like, I guess he knew that he had the penalty because it was such a kind of blatant face mask. So he just went for it. But fair play. A big game from Gaskins as well. Had 87 yards rushing, another 82 yards through the air. It's good to see him back and good to see him playing well. It's just another catastrophe for the Raiders, really. It's a game they should have won. There's two things involved in this victory, which I quite liked. One was the irony in the win. I mean, we had the Raiders securing a win over the Jets in the previous week, which 
should not have happened based on that kind of zero coverage Hail Mary. Then Fitzpatrick did the dirty by heaving his own Hail Mary from his own 25-yard line while his helmet was being ripped off his face into just terrible zone defence. And it... Comma, 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 Derek Carr. Yeah, it allowed the Dolphins to set up in the Las Vegas 26 and hit the winning field goal. Equally, the Raiders missed that extra point and it cost them in the end. You know, that it would have been an overtime game if they hadn't missed that PAT earlier on in the game. Yeah, it's kind of seen with uh, Raiders games over the last few weeks that, you know, for basically about three quarters, they're quite unexciting. Just, just pretty drudgy games and then just uh, massive things going on in the last minute or the last kind of 10 seconds. Yeah, well, I think they've been a bit of a team of two seasons, really, because in the first half of the season, they were exciting. They were playing some great football, both the run game, but also through the air. And then the second half of the season they've sort of fallen away and it's been a combination of quarterback accuracy and skill player ability or or I don't think it's quarterback accuracy man I don't think that this is on Carl not exclusively but I think a lot of these games where it's not going well I think Jacobs just isn't doing enough but Jacobs is one man yeah yeah but the running attack and and he's supposed to be this kind of bell cow kind of player you look at Carl you look at the game that Carl is playing you can't blame it on quarterback accuracy at all it's it's not on Derek Carr but it's uh, it's not on Carr it's all on the defense and the and if you're going to have one thing on the attack it's that the rushing hasn't been as good as it should be but it's all on the defense the Las Vegas defense is terrible but I mean they allowed 26 points to the Dolphins that's not abysmal but it's been abysmal in previous weeks you're talking about this team of, of kind of two halves which I agree with they started off great as the Las Vegas Raiders and they finished as the Las Vegas Faders but it's on the defence for the second half of the season. The defence has been abysmal. I tell you what, you're just like Tony Dungy with Tom Brady. Like, Tony Dungy is a really good kind of commentator. I like listen to what he says. I agree with most of the things that he says. But when he talks about Tom Brady, he's just irrational in his hatred. And you're like irrational in your hatred of Derek Carr. <laughs> well, just wait till we get to Jared Goff, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> of his last five games... He's only had a passer rating of less than 95 in two of those games. He played badly against Atlanta in that terrible game where they lost 43-6. And I'll say, yeah, Carl was abysmal in that game. And he had a rating of 85 against Indianapolis, you know, against a great kind of defense. Yeah. But he had a rating, you know, 97.9 against the Jets. He had a rating of 96.2 against the Chargers. He had a rating of 104.5 against the Dolphins. So he's still putting out good kind of ratings there. Let's move on to the Browns 16, the Jets 23. Yeah, I mean, before people start wildly overreacting to this game, it has to be pointed out Mayfield had no Landry, no Higgins, no Peoples-Jones or Hodge to throw to. And on top of this, he was missing two offensive linemen. So yes, they were playing the Jets and they still had their run game. So you'd still expect a victory here. But I think you also need to understand this loss in the context in which it happened. I understand it in the context that it's happened, but given all of that context, which you've rightly kind of pointed out there, then why would you pass the ball 53 times? Well, that's the silly thing. Against running it 18 times. This Browns team have been a run first team while we've had Chubb and Hunt fit, and it's worked for them. People like to say that they're the best, you know, one-two running back combination in the league, and whether you agree with that or not, they are very good. So with everything you've said there, no wide receivers, banged up offensive line, 
you only run the ball 18 times against this Jets team. I just don't understand this, this uh, play call. And I know they fell behind a little bit, so you had to pass a little bit more. But I would have still have gone for the run when you've got basically one recognised wide receiver out there. Well, if there's any kind of stat or evidence that you need to support that, it's this. Gore was the leading rusher in this game. <laughs> Chubb mustered only 28 yards on 11 carries. Yeah, on 11 carries. And Hunt gained just 11 yards on four tries. And when I say Gore was the leading rusher in this game, Gore had another really bad game. He had 14 carries for 48 yards. I mean, that's not efficient by any means. Not efficient at all. It was just weird. When you've got no wide receivers and you're throwing the ball 53 times. And look, the Browns have really, really screwed themselves here. So they're 10-5 now, the same record as the Colts. Next week, the Colts play the Jags. Next week, the Browns play the Steelers. Now, I know Steelers already a guaranteed playoff football. And so it's kind of how much they want to finish in the top half of the seedings. But I mean, we spoke about this last week. I think you probably still would want to finish in one of those earlier seeding spots if you're in the AFC. Definitely. It's an inter-divisional game. Steelers fans are going to want to see the Steelers beat the Browns. There's going to be a big kind of clamouring for that. <laughs> there was so much hype about this Browns team getting into the playoffs for the first time in X amount of years. And everyone thought it was almost a done deal about a week ago. Now it's not looking so likely at all. <laughs> I know. If they do make the playoffs, they're going to make it in Browns fashion, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, it's such a Browns thing to do here that to have it like basically in your grasp and then go and lose to the Jets exactly look fair play to the Jets Sam Darnold had a decent game nothing special his accuracy wasn't great 16 of 32 yeah you see this is the thing I want to call this out because I don't think this game helped Sam Darnold's stock at all like you said he went 16 of 32 he failed to complete half of his passes he was guilty of a lost fumble on a strip sack which the officials incorrectly ruled as an incompletion and he was also fortunate that Cleveland defenders dropped a couple of potential interceptions. I think Donald looked bad in this game. I think he needed to look better, really, for his long-term kind of prospects because it's so up in the air what the Jets are going to do with this second pick now. It was a slam dunk that they were picking Trevor Lawrence when they had zero wins. Now, is Fields an upgrade or is Fields a massive risk? It's so hard to call what they're going to do there. If Donald had played well this week, then it starts to swing the uh, balance. But like you say, he didn't really put himself on a best show. He didn't throw an interception. He was only sacked twice. Pass rating of 87.4 isn't great. But look, he did all right. He won the game. Let's see how he does next week. But it's just up in the air. Yeah. Just something to call out before we move on. Congrats to Frank Gore, who is now the third running back in NFL history to eclipse 16,000 rushing yards. It's statistically incredible. Yeah. I think he eclipsed, what, Walter Payton this week? Walter Payton did do it in, in about like half as many seasons, though. Here's a question for you. Frank Gore, will he be a first ballot Hall of Famer? It's a good question. He's a Hall of Famer for sure. First ballot? Uh, possibly, yeah. I, th- I, I think he's done enough. I think no. Do you not? I think no. He is a Hall of Famer. He will get in the Hall of Fame? For sure. It's been quite unspectacular through his career how he's amassed this kind of yardage. Yeah, he's more of a gold watch for 50 years service. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Than he is top salesman. <laughs> That's exactly how it is, yeah. It's, it's, it's at the bottom of the range of Rolex for 25 years in a front office rather than, yeah, like you say, the Lambo for the most sales. Yeah. 
I was just looking at his career here. He's been around since 2005, so we're in his 15th, 16th year now. Five Pro Bowls, but I mean, you know, never won a Super Bowl, never been an MVP. So no, I don't see him as a first round ballot for the Hall of Fame, but he should be in the Hall of Fame at some point once you get 16,000 yards. Yeah, have to be. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Giants 13, Ravens 27. This game didn't go how I thought it was going to go. The Giants have been impressive against the run of late, but they allowed 249 rushing yards from the Ravens in this game. And Baltimore converted 8 of 11 third downs. They generated 432 net yards of offence. The Giants just couldn't stop them. The Ravens' defence did a good job of bending but not breaking. It limited the Giants' offence. And to be honest, it's the right time of the season to, to be getting hot for the Ravens, providing that the Dolphins fall to the Bills next week and the Ravens can sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, I still have a lot of concerns over this Ravens team, though. I think their team is very unbalanced still. They rushed for 249 yards, only threw it for 183 yards. And of those 183 yards that they threw it for, about 110 of them were to Mark Andrews and Gus Edwards, a tight end and a running back. The leading wide receiver was Marquise Brown with 25 yards, followed by Willie Sneed with 24 yards, and then Boykin with 13 yards. Not a one-dimensional team, but they're very focused on a certain personnel kind of grouping. It's very much 12 personnel, 22 personnel, very running back and tight end heavy. And I think that, you know, better teams than the Giants, as we have seen already, can shut this down. And when you shut down these kind of plays, uh, they're a beatable team. So, yeah... They play better than they have been, but I still think that they're just not as dynamic on offense as they were a season ago. Yeah, do you know what? I think I would agree with you on all points there. The only thing that I suppose I was slightly more impressed by was if teams can shut down that run game or that that area of the game that they specialize in, it's game over for them. What I was impressed by was Giants are typically a team that have done that two teams that focus on that area of the game over the last two, three games, and the Ravens broke through that, which is good to see. I also agree, you know, it is the Giants, but they have been firm in this position. So if it's a pattern that the Ravens can continue, then they've found the secret to making the run game efficient for them again, which is something that I think we spoke about Jackson was complaining that, oh, teams seem to be figuring out how they're playing. They can stop them. Well, if they can beat teams, even when teams know how they're going to play, that's what we need to see. And I think this was the first game in probably quite a while for the Ravens where we saw that. I don't totally disagree with you, but I don't fully buy into what you're saying. In terms of a rushing defense, the Giants are ranked about 11th in the league. So they're slightly better than average I just think that if you have linebackers who are big and strong who can bump the tight end and can cover that kind of middle area of the field you can basically shut down this Ravens team and there's just not enough kind of going on there with Brown and Sneed and even got like the kind of newer players like Duvernay that's just my view on it maybe they'll you know go out in the first round of playoffs and absolutely blast a team and throw for 400 yards because that's normally what happens when we criticize a team Well, they've got to get there first and it's all going to come down to whether the Dolphins can pull off a win against the Bills. Yeah, what I think was more important for this Ravens team, they had six sacks on Jones for 37 yards. 
So that part of a game which which carried them last season, it seemed to be firing in kind of all cylinders in uh, this game. Right. Well, talking about teams and defense, let's move on to Bengals 37, Texans 31. And Joe, honestly, what are the Bengals doing? Brandon Allen is not the future of their franchise. They do not need to get him the practice of winning games. And they've now moved out of the third overall draft pick. So they're probably going to miss out on Sewell, who is exactly the type of player that Joe Burrow needs to help protect him. You've got to try to win every single game. You can't be seen to tank. You've got to build confidence. Coaches are playing for their jobs, so you need to play 100% every single game. The Texans didn't play 100% in, in uh, this game. Their defence was abysmal. They were missing eight defensive starters. Their entire secondary was made up of backups. Doesn't matter. Well, it matters a bit. No, 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 no. But it doesn't matter in the effort levels. Oh, no, no, I get that. But what, what I'm saying is there's a reason. It was the effort. And had they applied themselves more... Had they made those pursuits, had they focused more, I'm not saying they'd have won, but they would have made a better showing. And you wouldn't have had team captains coming out and calling everyone out. Yeah, I mean, I just think it was a mess for everyone involved. And I know you say, look, coaches need to win. You can't be seen to to be tanking. But you also, if you're a team that is rebuilding, you need to be considerate of these things. No, you have to go out there and win every single game. I'm sorry, no. You would say even in the last game, two games of the season, I'm not saying anyone starts off at the beginning of the season and tries to lose all their games, but when the difference between where you land in the draft can play such a massive impact to the future of your franchise, you're telling me in the last two, one game of the season? I'm telling you categorically that teams do not go out and lose games like that. Coaches never think about a game like that. Okay, Bears 41, Jaguars 17. Yeah, I mean, look... Bears needed the win for the wildcard spot. Jags needed the loss for the first overall draft pick. Both teams got what they needed. Game without many surprises, I think. We talk about games where Jags have stayed in it, have hung with teams. They hung with Green Bay. They hung with teams much better than them. 17 points against the Bears and allowing 41 shows a lack of effort from players on their team. They were leading for the first two quarters. Yeah. And let the Bears score 41 points. How do you do that? They adjusted. They adjusted. Okay. So then Bears have demonstrated that they can adjust and have done that for the last couple of games. Last four games, if, yeah. If they hold yeah. on to the wildcard spot, do you think the Bears have a chance of going more than first round? No. Why? If they're a team that can demonstrate that they can adjust and they can put up big scores. In the last four games, the teams have beat are Jaguars, Minnesota, Houston, and Detroit. So all of those teams are teams that are crap on defense. So against bad teams on on our defense, they've shown that they can adjust and put up big scores. Put them up against a average defense or a better than average defense, and they're not going to score like that. Also, it's no surprise really that this has come as Montgomery started playing better. Montgomery ran for 72 yards against Detroit, 113 against Houston, 146 against Minnesota, and 95 against the Jaguars. So over the last four games, he's averaged 106.5 yards per game. He's also had six touchdowns in that period. Leading into this, in his first 10 games, he had 57.5 yards a game and one touchdown. So he's averaging 50 yards more a game than what he was previously. 
I mean, it's no surprise then that since then, Trubisky hasn't had a passer rating less than 97.7. As Montgomery's playing better, Trubisky is playing better. But, you know, teams will realise this, teams will adjust against them. But no, they're not going to put up 40 points against teams in the playoff. If they do make playoffs, which I don't think they will, they'll struggle against decent defences. And so what do you think this means for Mitch then and next season? Well, the rumours are that they're going to renew him. I don't know the details on Foles' contract, but he didn't add anything at all that Trubisky wasn't showing. So I'm not sure if they bring in a different vet just to keep that pressure on Trubisky or whether they run with Foles and Trubisky again. But rumours are that they're going to be keeping him. So it'd be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, and I think quite a few teams are in this similar position of having what I would call average quarterbacks and maybe even a couple of them where the starter and the backup are roughly as good as one another. They're both fairly average. And I think there's quite a few teams that are looking for an upgrade on a quarterback, but there's not as many good upgrades out there to fill those gaps. Yeah, it's going to be more of a salary cap thing. It's useful to have that kind of backup. And the thinking was quite sound from the Bears. We've got Foles, who's going to put that pressure on, who might even be better than Trubisky, blah, blah, blah. Foles is still the seventh highest paid player on the Bears. It's stupid, really. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like he's making loads. His cap here is six and two thirds million. Wow. Yeah. He's contracted basically through next year. So it's going to be hard to cut Foles next year. It's such a really bad contract to put Foles on there. Like I said, the rumours are that they're going to run with Trubisky for at least another year. And, you know, he's. He's been the better quarterback of the two for the season, so I don't see why not, really. No, I agree. Right, Falcons 14, Chiefs 17. Man, I bloody called this. I said there was a potential upset here, and in the end, I called it by seven in the Chiefs' favour. It was even worse than that. The Chiefs only won by three. And to be honest, they could have lost the match more than once. I think two things happened in this matchup that led to this. One is... The Atlanta secondary actually did a really good job of limiting the Chiefs playmakers, which we haven't seen that often this season from opposition. But I think perhaps probably more importantly was the injuries that the Chiefs had on the offensive line. You know, Mahomes was playing behind a line which didn't provide him with a lot of time that was needed to find a pass for most of the evening. So I think a combination of an injured O-line with the Atlanta secondary stepping up, just made it a much closer game than it should have been. Yeah, it was a bit of a shock really to, to see uh, Young Wei Koo kind of miss at the end there because he's been he's been like clockwork. Mad, absolutely mad. Yeah, I noted that down as one of the things because you're absolutely right. He has been one of the Falcons' best players this season. He's been like clockwork, yeah. Yeah, and it was a 39-yard chip shot field goal at the end. You'd have put money on it. You honestly would have with the season that he's been having in terms of not missing kicks. And this was just one of those ones that bit them on the bum. Yeah, yeah, it happens. But look, the offences from both teams, which is kind of stimmied really by the defences. The defences really stepped up for the Chiefs, which I'd probably say is quite disheartening really for the rest of the league because... When Mahomes has a relative down day, like he did, the defence once again showed that they can take over and finish the game off. Chiefs, though, 14-1 for the first time ever. They've tied up the AFC, so they've got a bye week. They play the Chargers next week, but probably will rest players. But then again, it's going to be a three-week gap, really, if they do rest players until their first playoff game. Yeah. 
it might give a few players a half just to kind of keep them in the game mindset. But yeah, on they march. Yeah, absolutely. Then we move on to Steelers 28, Colts 24. Now, Joe, I called Steelers by three. It ended up Steelers by four. We're all friends here. You're going to give me that, right? (laughs) Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I introduce you every week. I'm here with my good friend, Joe, as always. (laughs) Be a good friend, Joe. Come come on. No. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. You can't blame a guy for trying. Absolutely not. The amount of times I've come one point off and have not kind of whinged to you about it. And I'm not whinged to you about it. Back to the game. Really, really weird game. Colts seemed to be in total control the first half. Steelers adjusted, came out. I say adjusted. It wasn't really an adjustment because they can only play one way. And the only way that they can play is by Roethlisberger throwing the ball. They're a disgustingly one-dimensional team. It's probably one of the most obvious things right now that their run game is terrible. It's beyond terrible. So all it just came down to was Roethlisberger just raised his game and kind of carried them. He's not going to be able to do that every week. He did it this week, so fair enough. But I mean, look, Colts threw it away. Roethlisberger raised his game. And I think that the Colts should really see this as a missed opportunity. A huge missed opportunity. Yeah, it was a weird one. And and it was a game of two halves or even, you know, a half and a bit and a, a little under a half. But I felt that it wasn't just Roethlisberger stepping up. Basically, the offense and the defense for both teams kind of only showed up for a half. The Colts were 21-7 up just before half time. The Steelers at one point failed to punch the ball into the end zone despite having five tries inside the Indianapolis five-yard line. So that left it 24-7. And this was in the third quarter. At that point, I was really nervous that the Colts were just going to destroy the Steelers. But then the game just flipped. And I don't have any explanation for why it did. But the Steelers' defense stepped up as well as... Roethlisberger stepping up and the Colts defense fell away as well as Rivers dropping a little bit after his electric first half it was just weird it was just really bizarre yeah he dropped a little bit it's not like he starts he started playing badly but he was no. playing well oh he's playing fantastic in the first half it was a momentum shift but it just seemed to be yeah I don't like to call things like that because it's quite an intangible thing it's like well what does that even mean what does a momentum shift mean but it does The defense started to play with a little bit more, you know, spunk in their step. They were getting to the quarterback. They were looking more lively. Roethlisberger was feeding off of that. Players weren't dropping the ball as much, you know. Like, I think that Johnson is the player with the most drops in the league this season. And he started making his catches in the second half. But look, let's not paper over the cracks here. Steelers are going to walk away with a win. And they'll be talking about that. But Benny Snell rushed the ball six times. How many yards do you think he made, Charles? Oh, uh, well, I'm judging by your tone, not many. Tell me. Zero. No. <laughs> Zero yards for six carries. Benny Snell has got to be one of... He's, he's got to be the least effective running back I think I've seen in years. All in all, the Steelers rushed 14 times to 20 yards. That's 1.4 yards a carry, but it's just pathetic. Next week, the Steelers play the Browns, but Steelers have the AFC North tied up now. So, like we said earlier on, it'd be interesting to see what they do, whether they put out a, a full team, whether they rest players. I think that Roethlisberger is so banged up, he could do with a game off, but I don't know if that will happen. Yeah. The other thing that I do want to still know is that Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster still drop balls in the end zone. 
and when the Steelers rely so heavily on their wide receivers to win them games, this has to stop this habit of these players dropping balls in the end zone. Buy them some new gloves. There's way too much dropping going on. It's crazy. Probably about six, seven weeks ago, I made a claim that the Steelers wide receiver corps were the best in the league. And uh, it's getting harder and harder to hold that position when they're making so many drops. And like I said, Johnson is the worst offender. He's league leading, if you can call it league leading, league losing. But yeah, no, they're all doing it. And like you say, it's all we've got. So we need to stop it. Yeah. Okay, so next game. Don't really want to talk about this one too long because it was a pretty boring game. Broncos 16, Chargers 19. Yeah, I mean, it was a bad day at the office for both of these quarterbacks. So many misses, so many mistakes. And whilst I've come to expect this a little bit of Drew Locke, it was a bit of a surprise to see it from Herbert. I didn't think that Herbert played that badly. I mean, Chargers generated 19 points. I don't think he had a, a great day. Well, he hit on... 21 out of 33 passes yeah which which isn't awful it, it's not great yeah it's not great but but you're saying that he had a real bad day that you're not going to see from him his accuracy was average yeah he threw a TD didn't have any interceptions only took two sacks and finished with a passer rating of 97.2 which is you know pretty decent fair enough I suppose maybe it was the expectation of more from Herbert from what I've seen over the season I expected the Chargers to generate more than 19 points here. But then you have been saying the last few weeks that you see that the Denver Broncos is a decent defence as well. Yeah, I, I have. I suppose, though, they snuck away with a win, to be honest. I mean, Jerry Judy dropped six passes. The The Broncos' offence was dreadful, and yet the final score was 19-16. That was all. I just thought that neither quarterback was setting the world on fire. It was quite pedestrian. I'll say that Locke played badly, but I mean, Justin Herbert, he, he led a drive in the last kind of two minutes there to win the game. That's something that they were struggling to do first half of the season, but he's done it, what, the last kind of three games now where he's led a last minute drive. In that kind of sense, I thought it was quite impressive really to finish a game like that. He didn't set the world on fire with his kind of, you know, passing or yardage during the game, but I think to finish that way was pretty, pretty strong. Yeah, I mean, he finished that way. First game of the season, it was his kicker that let him down. <laughs> yeah, but I guess that the Chargers have shown now from being a team who are losing all of those games by less than seven points, losing in the last minute, losing through a missed kick. They seem to have straightened that up really the last kind of two or three games and one few kind of close games down the stretch. Which could save Lynn his job. Yeah, I don't think that Lynn was a dead certainty to get sacked. Even had these games gone, say, a different way, they're 6-9 and nine now. Even if they were 4-11 right now, I wouldn't necessarily say that Lynn was definitely going. No, I agree. I, I said earlier on in the season that I thought he'd be given the chance to run one more season. And I agree with you. I think even if they had have lost those games, I think they'd still have run with him. But this has helped, I suppose, make his life a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. What do we think this means for Locke, though? I mean, he probably will get one more season, right? But I, I think that that's probably more due to a lack of alternative options than it is a belief that he could be the guy here. Locke played badly in this game. He did play badly. I stand by what I've been saying for the last few weeks, really, that I think they'll just bring in a veteran to put pressure on him next yeah. year. 
it's embarrassing really for John Elway more than anything. <laughs> yeah. For a guy who is such a good quarterback, who's supposed to know about the quarterbacks and know about that kind of position, I don't think there's many kind of GMs in the league now who have had as many busts at quarterback as he's had. No. Right, let's move on then to Panthers 20, Washington football team 13. This is one I got right on the nose, Joe, so I don't need your charity here. (laughs) Wow, is Dwayne Haskins bad or what? I mean, in every sense of the word. We sometimes kind of criticise players, and speaking from our chairs here, we don't have a kind of full insight, but I can absolutely say with kind of no guilt whatsoever that Haskins is bad. He's a bad player. He's a bad human being. He's an idiot. You were dropped by your coach near the start of a season because you were playing badly because you weren't good enough. You've dropped to third on the depth chart. The gods have shined luck on you and you've got a chance to redeem yourself. It's a game against a losing team towards the end of a season where you can go out there and showcase your skills. What does he do? In that week when he should be, you know, swatting down, looking at video, doing everything he can to race his game, he's caught breaking COVID protocols in a strip club. Now, what a man does in his personal life, that's his business. And I think that, you know, all these players are entitled to private lives to do what they want. But not like this during a COVID pandemic during the season. He absolutely should not have been there. It shows the immaturity. It shows why teams shouldn't take a chance on him if they were thinking about taking a chance on him. Because he's just a dressing room cancer with that attitude there. Yeah, it shows an absolute lack of focus and complete irresponsibility. That is not the winning attitude is it of someone that still has a desire to perform at their best there's so much that a quarterback does and is responsible for that most fans don't see that most people aren't aware of the game plan that the coaches kind of make through the week they make that in conjunction with a quarterback the quarterback will tell them this player isn't looking so good at running this route so i'm not too comfortable running that play I've been watching tape of their linebackers and I think that there's a weakness in this player. So I'd like to run this play a bit more. These are all the things that a quarterback does and says in the week leading up to the game, the responsibility that's placed on their shoulders. In the game itself, when you've got players who are injured and they might might not know which route they're running, in the game, the quarterback has to tell them which route to run. So they're a teacher, they're a mentor, they're everything. There's so many things that a quarterback does leading up to a game and in the game. But all these maturity and leadership things Haskins has none of those qualities whatsoever. He hasn't demonstrated any of them. He had a chance and he had a second chance and he's just absolutely shown immaturity. He's shown disrespect to the football club. He's rightly been dropped. And at this stage, I'd be extremely surprised if there's a team stupid enough to pick him up on waivers. It was well known that most of the players at Washington actively disliked him for the attitude that he bought. So like I said, he's a dressing room cancer. He quite probably and rightfully will probably never play a game again. This is a first round pick from a year ago. Well, I mean, the backup that came on and apologies if I get the pronunciation wrong here, but is it Heineke? He was an upgrade. Yeah, played for the Vikings uh, a year or two ago and was a backup there. And I mean, you know, he's a solid player, but like you say, he was definitely a lot better than Haskins. He looked a lot better. Yeah, so it seems like a no brainer there. It seems like a no-brainer, but the only thing that can shock me in the next few days now is if a team picks him up, I'm putting Dwayne Haskins on the reject pile and I have no guilt about it. Okay. Let's move on through then to Seahawks 20, Rams 9, and uh, I'm going to try hard not to do a Jared Goff rant here. But Just do it. 
he makes me so angry. I mean, the man was a mess, which has always been my view of him. But whenever I'm convinced of it, he'll prove me wrong. And just be bad or be good, but stop being unpredictably both. (laughs) That's my grievance with the guy. It's not that he's complete trash because he can perform. It's that I just can't figure out when he's going to perform and neither can the Rams. And it, it hurts them as a team as a result of it. But we kind of can, can't we? It's when he's got a pocket and he's got time and he's comfortable, he plays well. Yeah, so again, you look at this game. I mean, he's going up against the Seahawks defense. You'd have thought that he has that. But the Seahawks line has been playing better in the last few games and they were putting pressure on him. They sacked him three times for 18 yards. They would have sacked him a few more times had he not thrown the ball away. He didn't have as much time as what he's used to and what he needs. And when Goff doesn't have that time, well, we know what what, uh, happens there, really, don't we? Yeah, I just, I suppose it's so difficult because I think defensively Seahawks, he should do it. And then there's other games where I think defensively he shouldn't against teams like the 49ers when they're in good health and things like that. And he and he does perform. I just can't... Yeah, it, and it's kind of slightly on his line there as well. It's how well yeah. the line in front is playing. But yeah, look, it's one of those things that I guess it's just pretty hard to call, really. That said, though, kind of contradicting myself a little bit here, he was holding the ball for a very long time. He was holding the uh, ball on average for over three seconds during this game. Fifth most of any player mm. in the league in um, week 16. So he was holding the ball for a long time. Well, look, we've said this about this division, right? It can't make its mind up who wants to go to the playoffs. And we're seeing this again here. It was the Rams to win. They've let it go. The Cardinals were in the driving seat. They've let it go. It's all going to come down to the final game of the season for all three of these teams, Seahawks, Rams and Cardinals. So in one sense, that's a very positive thing for viewers because it means that Week 17 games are still going to count for something. There's still going to be some excitement there in quite a few matchups. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Should we move on? Yeah, Cowboys 37, Eagles 17. The Eagles are now mathematically out of that opportunity to win the NFC East now. They started well with a double-digit lead early on, and that Deshaun Jackson 81-yard touchdown bomb was pretty impressive, but... I think after the injury to Fletcher Cox, the Eagles found themselves struggling to stop the Dallas offense. And and for me, that was kind of the linchpin of where this game turned around. The Eagles couldn't generate any sort of pass rush, so they had to resort to ineffective blitzes. And Andy Dalton was able to beat those seemingly uh, for most of the afternoon. So the result was Dallas outscoring Philadelphia 34-3 to finish the contest. Yeah, uh, it's kind of interesting you mentioned that Deshaun Jackson touchdown there because it was good. It was a good play. Uh, he, he he torched them, but they never went to him again after that, which I thought was strange kind of play calling, really. He had mm. one target. He had one target, one reception, 81 yards, touchdown. Uh, so I don't know why he wasn't in the game script then after that. Yeah, that's a really good point, yeah. Especially when they were so far behind and needed some big plays to, to start to pull things back. It just didn't really make sense to me. You're right, Cox going out, he's a huge player, he's a defensive leader for them, so it did make a difference. What, are we on the second game now where Zeke's gone over 100 yards? Yeah, I was just about to mention that. We finally uh, saw Zeke wake up from his hibernation. Yeah, um, still a bad season from him though. Yeah, oh absolutely, this doesn't correct anything, but at least he's shown that he does still have the ability. 
And now the Cowboys have a chance to make playoffs. They're six and nine, <laughs> yeah. same as... I mean, this has been the weirdest season from that respect. At the beginning of the season, we were quite high on the Cowboys. The Cowboys were dreadful. And we were like, well, anyone can beat the Cowboys. And now they stand a chance of, of making the playoffs. It's just bonkers how bad yeah. that division is. So it's all divisional games next week. So you've got the Cowboys playing the Giants and you've got football team playing the Eagles. So now the Eagles need to go and do the Cowboys a favour and beat Washington and the Cowboys need to beat the Giants. None of the things that are kind of guaranteed here because who knows what's going to happen in the NFC East. But the Cowboys, they at least have a chance. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Titans 14, Green Bay 40. Yeah, a snowy, windy game at Lambeau Field. Inject it into my veins, Joe, especially if it's paired with a monster win over the Titans. Green Bay clearly had a game plan here, really. It was stop Derek Henry as much as you can and just have faith that Tannehill is going to struggle, especially in the blizzard conditions. And I mean, it was spot on, really. Henry still nearly made 100 yards, but that was on 23 carries, an average of 4.3 yards a carry. Tannehill finished with a pass rating of 40.5, connected on less than half his passes, only made 121 yards, one TD, two interceptions. And I mean, you know, they were chasing the game for a lot of this. And Tannehill just wasn't coming up with the goods. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They stacked the box because they knew Henry was the main threat and then they just dared Tannehill to do his best in a in a windy, snowy condition and he couldn't. The problem is they're not going to be able to do that in playoff games because they're going to be playing against quarterbacks that actually have the ability to make Green Bay pay for that kind of defensive layout. But it worked well in this game. I think the interesting thing was that Rodgers still had a near-perfect game himself, 21-25 for 231 yards, despite the fact that most of our play went through the ground. He got four touchdowns, and Adams, I mean, he caught 11 of 12 for 142 yards and three touchdowns himself. He was unstoppable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To maybe point out before we move on, it was the first time that we got to see anything real from AJ Dillon. And he played good. Yeah, he did. I think the conditions very much suited his type of running because he's one of those power running backs. You know, he's like a bulldozer. So it's less about speed and that kind of joystick running back. And it's more about just, well, it's your Henry style of running, isn't it? It's your plow through people. Just bouncing players off you. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he performed. He did very well in that respect. So... Yeah, so coming out of this game now, Green Bay need to win next week, like we said, to get the first seed. But that means that they'll have home games all through playoffs. And you look at the kind of playoff teams they might be coming against. I don't like to use the word soft, really. But you've got Saints who are used to playing inside a dome. You've got Buccaneers who spend most of their time down in Florida in hot weather. You've got Rams in Los Angeles in a lot warmer weather there. A good half of the teams currently in the playoffs are warm weather teams. So if the Packers do clinch that top spot, it could be a massively deciding factor going through the playoffs. It would be the first time that Aaron Rodgers has ever played playoff football with home field advantage. And I think that's a really good point that you bring up. It would be the first time that he would play the NFC Championship game at Lambeau. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that the weather's going to have a massive impact because... As we know, Green Bay have a bad run defense. And if you can limit 
the passing game with the weather conditions, you can dedicate more attention to run defense then. It could really, really help Green Bay out with that weakness that they have. Yeah, absolutely. Right, and in the last game, Bills 38, Patriots 9. I don't have loads to say about this game. The Bills were the favourites going into this. Patriots have struggled quite a bit this season. They're missing a lot of players. It was going to be such a difficult ask for them to stop Allen with the defence that they have left. I mean, they really are clinging on by their fingernails, that defensive unit. Yeah, Josh Allen, you mentioned him there. Another steamroller game, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, 320 yards, passer rating of 138.7. Josh Allen was on fire once again. He's not let up and he didn't take his foot off the neck of the Patriots basically all game until they benched him because they were so far in front. So Josh Allen, it looks like these bad games just aren't coming now. And I could be made to regret saying that. But we were saying kind of early on that he plays badly every now and again and can't hit a target. He was playing great. The rushing for Buffalo, I'd say, is it's acceptable. They don't have a great run game. Moss and Singletary, they just do what they need to do. So not too much to say there. Let's move on to the Patriots quickly. Cam Newton only played half a game and he wasn't effective at all in that half a game. Jarrett Stidham played half a game and again, he wasn't effective either. I've said before, and I still stand by this, I think that what goes on with the New England Patriots in the offseason is going to be one of the most interesting offseasons to look at. They've got to pick up a new quarterback, I think, because Stidham's not the answer going forward. And Cam Newton, I think, is not going to be there next year. The more and more that I look at this, the more that he's not going to be there. Just to kind of talk about how bad the passing was, really, there were only five receivers who were targeted during the game. Only four of them made catches. And I'm saying receivers. One of them was James White. And one of them was Devin Asaisi. So that's a running back and a tight end. There were only four guys who made catches. That's just not good enough. There were only nine catches made full stop. Nine catches for the whole game. You know, let's not forget at halftime, they were trailing 24-9. Going into the fourth quarter, they were trailing 31-9. The quarterback play right now is pathetic. You're right that the defense there is bad, but... They need to work out this quarterback situation. And I guess it's pretty uh, depressing when you see what Brady's doing in Tampa Bay if you're a uh, New England fan. Yeah, but they also don't have the skill players to throw to. It's a combination of things, really, isn't it? You're, you're absolutely right. The quarterback play is is dreadful. But even if it were good, who are they throwing to? Yeah, but this hasn't been a problem in like the last kind of 20 years. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, last season, they didn't have anyone throw to either, did they? <laughs> no, no. And, you know, you take away Edelman and you take away Wes Welker and then name me another kind of big name Patriots wide receiver of the last 20 years. They've made that work for them. And, you know, lest, lest we forget, they did draft a wide receiver in the first round last year in Nikhil Harry. So I do agree with you that they've got no kind of standout skill players there. I do agree with you but it's never really been that part of their kind of identity to have that. Right, let's move on to our predictions then. Our last predictions of the regular season, Joe. This is going to be an important one for you. Yeah, yep. Right, so first up then, this is going to be a hell of a game. It's so important. Dolphins at the Bills. By the way, this is a Sunday game. There's no Thursday games this week. There's no Monday games. There's no late Sunday games. No, you're absolutely right. Sunday game. 9.25pm kickoff is the last series of games that kick off. 
Yeah. So Dolphins at Bills. Right, this is hard because Bills have got a player football secured. Bills, I can see resting players. If Tua was not starting and Fitzpatrick was starting, I say Fitzpatrick is a little bit more used to Buffalo weather. I think I'll probably still start Tua. I think that's going to be a mistake. I think that Tua is going to struggle in the snow and the Bills are going to win and the Bills are going to win by eight points. <laughs> I see it in a very similar way. I think the Bills are going to win by six, but I also agree. Well, uh, less so much the weather, but more the way the quarterbacks need to play. I think Fitzpatrick is more courageous because he's spent more time in the NFL. And I think you need to be to beat this Bills team. You can't just be playing two yard passes each time and hope to win with an offense this potent. So yeah, I think Bills by six. Okay. Next we have Saints at Panthers. The Saints came off a monster win this week. The Panthers have nothing to play for. I think Saints by 14. They're going big. They're not going home. Saints by 24. Wow, that's a massive score. Okay. And then on into Green Bay at the Bears, which again has very important playoff ramifications. Yeah, I think this one's going to be closer. I still think the Packers are going to do it because they're going to want that first seed and they're going to want it bad. But I don't think the Bears are just going to roll over. I think that it's going to be Green Bay by four. Okay, I've got Green Bay by 14. Next one, Ravens at Bengals. Bengals on a roll at the moment, but I still think against a solid Ravens defense, they won't be able to overcome that. So I've got Ravens by 17. Yeah, I've got Ravens by 21. Cool. And then on into Steelers at Browns. I think Steelers for this one still. I agree. I think that after the game, the way Mayfield was so down about it, I think they've almost resigned that they've kind of screwed us up. Not by loads though, Steelers by seven. Yeah, I think it's going to be close because I think Browns going into the playoffs, they're going to want to prove that they can compete with teams like the Steelers. They're going to need that confidence boost. So I think Steelers by five. Next we have Vikings at Lions. Yeah, I I think it's Vikings all the way, to be honest. I don't know quite how bad that injury is on Stafford yet, but even still, I think Vikings by... I I think they could go big against this Lions team because the Lions looked completely dejected last week. I'm going to say Vikings by 14. I'm going bigger. I'm going Vikings by 24. Okay, I was considering 17, not 24. (laughs) Okay, nice. Let's see. And then we've got Chargers at the Chiefs. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Because you think they would rest some players. I mean, why would you go and risk Mahomes and Kelsey when you are first, when you have home field advantage? I'm going to go controversial here because Herbert nearly did it in that first game that he played. And Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It was that one dodgy, it was that one rookie mistake where he threw the interception and kind of screwed it up. Chargers by three. Okay. I'm still going to back the Chiefs on oh, this one. Oh, safety, safety. If I go for Chargers, then it's copying me, copying me. Listen, <laughs> I'm going to go Chiefs by 10. Boring. Okay. Boring. <laughs> right. Jets are Patriots. This is a weird one. I mean, Jets have won two now. Patriots are really struggling. I'm going to call Jets and I'm going to say Jets by three. 
No, I can't see the Jets win three games straight. <laughs> I can't see that happening. Boring. <laughs> what? Well, I, I think it's that boring going for the Patriots. Oh, because they're garbage as well. Patriots by seven. Okay. And then we've got Cowboys at Giants, which quite honestly, Joe, could go any which way. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Cowboys though. I'm gonna go Cowboys by fourteen. Okay, I'm going Giants by six. Okay, and we have Washington at Eagles. I'm gonna go Eagles here. I'm gonna go Eagles by seven. I'm gonna go Eagles by ten, and then we're gonna see Cowboys in the playoffs by my free this week. <laughs> nice. And then we've got Falcons at Bucks. Bucks by ten. Yeah, I'm going to say Bucks by 14. Next, we have Titans at Texans. Can't see past the Titans on this. I'm going to say Titans by 17. Pretty big. I think the Titans are going to win, but I think that maybe the Texans will raise their game a little bit after playing so pathetic last week. Titans by 10. Okay. And then we've got Jags at the Colts. I, I think it's got to be Colts. Has to be, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah Colts by 17. Yeah, I got Colts by 14. Fair enough. Okay, Raiders at Broncos. Tricky one. Neither team have anything to play for. I think maybe Raiders by six. Yeah, it's not a bad shout. Raiders by one. Yeah, I think it is going to be relatively tight. And then we've got Cardinals at Rams. It's a tough one. It's a really tough one. It's a tough one based on recent form. I think because of the inconsistency of the Cardinals, because they played badly, I can see them playing well this week. So I'm going to say Cardinals, and I'm going to say the Cardinals by six. Yeah. Do you know what? That's how I feel, but I always get the Cardinals call wrong, and I always get the Rams call wrong. So I'm going against what I feel, and I'm going to go Rams by seven. Okay. And then the last one, Seahawks at 49ers. Yeah, again, another tough one, because... It just depends defensively how the 49ers play or even offensively against the Seahawks defense. Although I think on this one, I am going to back the Seahawks and I'm going to say Seahawks by 10. Yeah, I think that's not a bad shout. I'm going to go with Seahawks as well. and I'm going to say Seahawks 16. So I think there's a fair amount of disparity here between the two of us so there's a there's a real opportunity here for you to close the gap or me to lead out in front it's going to be an interesting one to keep a watch on still all to play for yeah absolutely it's not done yet by any means so if that's not an incentive to listen next week joe to find out how things turned out i don't know what is well it's been fun yeah absolutely really enjoyed it and we'll chat again next week chat to you then buddy